0: Sports Radio Good morning, welcome into Heard At Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha ESPN Tri Cities. I'm Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me. Andrew, what's going
1: on man? what is up my guy things are good you know I, I, I could be feeling a lot better I, I don't know what feels worse right now my backside after biking 15 miles yesterday or my Oof. hoops heart after watching two uh two games just well one get away from one team and and the other just not not able to to hold on after um creighton held like a, a pretty like I don't even want to call it a comfortable lead because it never really felt like comfortable. But all all in all, it it wasn't like they were ever out of that game. Mm -hmm. And so, like, whether it was responding or whether it was containing, you just kind of felt like, okay, like, you know, either way I I, I can expect either of these teams to win. But I think it's my backside that hurts the worst right now. Not going to
0: lie. Yeah, that's fair. That's uh, that's an aggressive amount of biking that you got in there.
1: You know, it's funny, too, because my sister has, like, one of those, like, Nordic tracks. Mm-hmm. So she's like, hey, you want to bike in New Zealand today? I'm like, yeah, I want to bike in <laughs> New Zealand. This sounds awesome. So I, I, I'm biking, and, you know, I, I'm listening to my own, my own music, and the trainer on the screen is, like, trying to tell me what to do and, like, how to keep my RPMs up to match what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, I haven't biked in a long time, um, for one two, I haven't worked out that long in a long time. And three, by the time I was like 15, 20 minutes in, I could already feel my behind starting to burn Mm. and then my legs just left me. I don't, I don't even, I, I thought they were unattached at one point. (laughs) And so we get to like mile 10. And so, yeah, only five miles left. Doesn't seem like a lot on a bike. And for a full mile, I'm biking uphill. Oof, on like a four incline. And then I thought, what am I doing? But I, I grinded it out, I finished it off. I feel good for the most part. And here I am. back at it with you today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was as I'm watching that you know Creighton game, I'm wondering when some of those guys' legs are going to leave them <laughs> as well, because I mean, you've got Shireman and Alexander putting in 45. Minutes last night Not Kalk, that much. i mean it's 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 a lot um kalkbrenner put in forty two and I'll be honest in his last couple of games, it looks like Kalkbrenner's legs kind of may have left him already he got i mean listen, I love ryan kalkbrenner uh just last week i I said he was the m v p of either of the two uh major conference basketball teams in nebraska and I still believe that's true, but he got absolutely worked by Oduro last night, and that honestly is the difference in the game. You can't give up 32 points to Josh Oduro. You just can't, and if Creighton's able to, if Kalkbrenner's able to hold that to even a reasonable number like 18 to 22, Creighton's fine and they win, right? That was a huge issue. Um, You know, I thought that Against Butler on uh, Saturday or Friday night, still weird that they played a Friday night conference game. Um, I, I thought that the, the Creighton defense overall struggled, but what I think I'm what I think I'm figuring out here, right, is that Creighton's defense is so dependent on Ryan Kalkbrenner being otherworldly that when he becomes simply even just above average their defense looks terrible Mm -hmm. because everything is designed to funnel things to Ryan Kalkbrenner and to allow Kalkbrenner to contest shots and alter shots and block shots. But when he's not able to do that, other teams absolutely feast. And when he's not able to do that, even at a defensive player of the year level in the conference, other teams are allowed to feast. These two last defensive efforts against Butler and Providence, respectively, are not, are not going to get it done for Creighton. They just cannot survive these games. And let's be totally honest here. It's not like Providence and Butler are the world's greatest offenses. Okay? Like that, that's where it's really concerning is, A, these teams are letting Creighton get into shootouts. And in the past, if you let Creighton get into a shootout, you were losing. Right? That was just full stop. You were losing. They've lost Creighton's lost two in a row of those now, and secondly, these are against teams that are not the offensive juggernauts of the Big East. This is not Marquette. It, I'm concerned when they play Marquette if they're still playing this way, and I, I think you have to look at. Man, I think you have to look at their rotation, and you have to look at the guys getting minutes outside of the main four because even you know. It's not like Mason Miller's playing a ton of minutes either. Mm -mm. Farabello had more minutes than him coming off the bench. Outside Farabello, you're looking at Jason Green getting four minutes and Isaac Trout getting three minutes. Fred King didn't even see the floor, which he struggled at times this year. I understand that. But it seems like every other good team finds a way to steal a handful of minutes here and there for their guys that need it. You can't count on – you can't count on guys playing 45 minutes a night. And I know, I mean, they've had, what, three overtime games in the last couple weeks? And in each of those, their main guys are playing over 40 minutes a night. That's not sustainable, especially for, a, for Ryan Calk. Like you might be able to get away with it with Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman because you're not relying on them defensively the same way you are Ryan Calkbrenner. If you want to have any shot of making a run in March, you cannot rely on Ryan Kalkbrenner for 40-plus minutes a night because his legs just aren't there. We've seen it the last couple games. His legs are not there to be the type of – now, maybe he's banged up a little bit. Maybe he's under the weather uh, like we saw at times last year. I don't know. But I my conclusion is that it's the fatigue that's catching up with him which is the most logical conclusion because he's playing 40 freaking minutes a night like that's not a sustainable thing for a seven foot one guy who anchors both ends of the floor for you that is not a reasonable ask and that's currently what Creighton's asking of Ryan Cochbrenner and right now the answers they're getting is no this is not going to work
1: well you brought up a lot of good points there and uh, I'll try to tried to kind of take
0: everything that sorry I got doing. a little ranty there
1: and put it in one single <laughs> final line because you, you're right and I'll start with call defensively he looks tired yeah and you know even last night offensively he wasn't backing down Oduro like you've seen him back down defenders before the shots that he was taking instead of it being closer to the low block you're finding it like halfway up between the block and the elbow and it's like, okay, like Cole can still make those shots, but he's still not getting the looks he's exactly wanting on those possessions, nor was he finding the, the rock as, as much as he, he probably wanted to. But that also goes to the fact to, you know, when, when defensively you're getting worked, as you said, dusted, I, I, that's the term I would have used. I didn't want to use the term bullied because I think Calk can bully just as much on the offensive side of things. But can you tell me the last time, that Creighton gave up 46 points in the paint? Because I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the last time that a team scored 46 paint points on this team, especially with a guy like Colk, who's the reigning two-time Big East defensive player of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look it up for, for the exact number. It, I, you know, I, I think the word bullied is fair, though. I mean, there there is a certain body type of big that Kalk Brenner does struggle with a little bit, and that is kind of the – short, like the undersized guys that are big bodied. We see it with Dixon from Villanova a lot. Aduro is not as good as Dixon, obviously, but he kind of has some of the same, yes, some of the same attributes in that he's an undersized big, he's big bodied, he can kind of catch the ball a little bit further on the perimeter and get some momentum going downhill against uh, Brenner, and then he can get into his body, which makes blocking his shot a little bit more difficult. But it's not just the, the, the one-on-one defense on Oduro, right? It's the fact that he seems like he's a half-step late in coming over to help, in coming over to um, contest other player shots as the help side defender. And like I said, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if he's a little banged up. I don't know if he's under the weather. I don't know if he's just simply tired of seeing Creighton give up offensive rebounds. So he's trying to stick a little bit closer to his man a little bit longer because we've seen that be an issue for Creighton this time, uh, this year as well. But the fact is, whatever the reason, he hasn't been as effective as the anchor of that defense recently as we've come to expect from him, and that sort of pulls the pin out of the entire defense, and the rest of it starts to fall apart. It is not a functional defense without Ryan Kochbrenner being Big East Player of the Year good. Now, all that being said – it took a miracle shot from Devin Carter from the logo to send that game to overtime, right? Uh So, like, Uh all that being said, you know, it sounds like they lost by 20, 30 points, right? No, they didn't. They lost by one to Butler. They lost in overtime by four to Providence. All that being said, Devin Carter had to hit a shot from the actual logo to send that game to overtime. So, I don't want to be too negative here because – I think if they can figure things out, the ceiling for this Creighton team is still really high, but the fact is they are not currently playing up to that ability because of the things we talked about defensively, and I think a lot of that comes back to Greg McDermott doesn't trust a lot of guys on this team right now. He seems to trust about five guys on this team, and the fifth guy isn't Mason Miller. It's Francisco Farabello. He, well, ha- he has to be able to trust like just a little bit more to give these guys a rest.
1: Well, you know, the other point to, to hit on here too is it's not often Creighton scores over 80 points and they lose. Right, yeah. It's, it's just not. And yes, I know that it was 78 before OT, but when you're pushing 80 points, those shootouts that you're talking about, they don't lose those games too often. No. It's hard to get to 80 against Creighton. And Creighton, historically, has been a pretty good defensive team. So it is a, a thing of fatigue. But why is that? And it goes back to that point that you just mentioned is you trust four guys. No, Really, you trust three guys, yeah. right? Ashworth has really started to come on mm-hmm. uh, late in this season. But you trust three guys, you add in Ashworth, and then who's next? Whereas last season, you at least had five guys on the floor that you could trust for a majority of that game. Mm-hmm. This year, you're just not seeing that. And, you know, maybe that – Sparks like a change, whether it's in practice leading up to the next game defensively for uh, for Creighton. Maybe you start seeing more of a zone look at some point defensively to maybe save some legs to, to to keep you from moving all across the floor. I'm not saying they're just going to flip the script because I don't think that's necessary yet either. Uh, because as you said, it, it you you have a single digit loss to Butler, you have an overtime loss to Providence. Like it, it's not. It's not panic mode. Yeah, the sky like isn't free... falling,
0: right? Like it's...
1: But I think it's, it's something you need to recognize in saying, okay, how long can Alexander and Shireman actually last going this, going this deep in games? Mm-hmm. How long can uh, Kalkbrenner uh, last if he's not getting his usual rests and things of that nature? So it, the way to get around those things is by packing in your defense a little bit. You can still work fast in transition. You can still push the basketball, but maybe instead of you know showing a man-to-man look and flying all around your own end of the floor, you pack it in a little bit and you you play a little zone coverage, so you you kind of stay in one vicinity. That it's just an idea. It's not it's it's not like a hey they're going to change that going into next game. But if you're looking to save some leg, say you know get get guys maybe a little bit more healthy or. Or just a little more fresh. That's one way to look at it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean something. Something has to change, obviously, right? Yeah, changing up tactics is one option in terms of um, you know throwing some different looks at teams that may save uh, Creighton's legs a little bit. I don't. I don't know what the answer is, honestly, because there's no easy answer. The either you have to change what you're comfortable with um, in terms of tactically or you have to change what you're comfortable with rotationally, right? There's, there's, you have to do something you're uncomfortable with in order to try and fix this problem because what you are comfortable with is leading to other teams putting up a whole heck of a lot of points on you. So, you know, I I liked that, I liked that Coach McDermott went to Jason Green a little bit last night. Um, I thought he provided a lot of energy off the bench. Now, he's not, not going to fix all your problems, right? But if you can steal – I mean, we're talk, We're not even talking about a lot of time here. We're talking about, like, two or three minutes a half, right? If you can steal two or three minutes a half, especially for Kalkbrenner, which is all they were really asking Fred King to do before, and after looking pretty good to start the season, he seems to have regressed a little bit in that role, whether it's trying to play Trout at the five a little bit, which he he only played three minutes last night, and it kind of seemed to lose those – minutes out at the four maybe you try trout at the five a little bit jason greens used to playing a little bit bigger as well i don't know what the combination or the solution is there but but mcdermott has to find a way to feel okay stealing two or three minutes a half at least for kulk brenner like that at the very least i i mean You don't have a ton of options in terms of giving Shireman and Alexander rest because the drop-off from those guys to the next guy is pretty big. I understand it's really big from Kalkbrenner to the next guy too, but I think it's less sustainable for Kalkbrenner to play those minutes than it is for the guards. He's just a bigger body. It's a more wear and tear on him. And being totally honest here, They ask more of Cockburner than they do of any other player on the floor because of what he's asked to do defensively as well as the offensive end. So, I mean, I agree. They're going to have to do something they're not real comfortable with and that they haven't really done so far this year. I don't know what that looks like yet, but it'll be really interesting to see. This is kind of where, you know, this is kind of where coaches make their money. This is where coaches is making the decisions that aren't obvious, right? It's making the decisions that, you have to decide which version of uncomfortable is going to work the best and which version of uncomfortable can you live with if it doesn't work out, right? That's where Coach McDermott's at right now. And, I, you know, we've seen in the past that he's done a really good job in those situations. He's done a really good job when things were not comfortable and he had to try some things out. It'll be interesting to see what he tries out this year because there's no easy answers on the table.
1: My last point, and it's more of a question for for us to to maybe dig a little bit deeper into, but you know when trout came over from Virginia, he was supposed to fill in that four spot pretty well like we knew he was a good shooter um we knew that he could he could really play into what Creighton was trying to do, but we haven't seen enough of trout this year or or maybe we saw enough early that that's why we're seeing only two and a half minutes of game time from mm-hmm. him what what do you think needs to be seen out of trout going forward is is this the expectation of of who he is for this team? is he still too new to the squad and and it, it's just that's why he's he's taking a back seat what do you think going on there?
0: yeah so I think a lot of this is that last year for him at Virginia was a total waste like I don't think he got any better last year at Virginia. Um, And that's a that's a tough year to not play and then to not get any better. Right. So I think there is some of the adjusting to the speed of the college game and still trying to get to a point where he's improved a little bit. What I think will really help is I think his, you know, kind of like we saw Baylor last year. His body's kind of transformed from last year to this year. He looks leaner. He looks a little bit quicker. We've seen him, like, dunk on some people a little bit this year, which is not something we saw at all last year. Seems a little bit more athletic. I think that's what the biggest thing we need to see is uh, Jeremy Anderson, the, the guy that runs their strength and nutrition, everything over at Creighton, does a really good job with players' bodies and getting them feeling, feeling right. The – I think that's what Trout needs more than anything because I don't think he got any of that last year at Virginia. Um, That being said, I always have had some concern about his ability to defend the four at the Big East level or at the major conference level. I always had a little bit of hesitation there because sometimes he can seem to get his feet stuck in the ground a little bit. I wonder if, and that's why I keep bringing up him as a possible – small ball five if he is able to get strong, and he's not even that small he's like 6'10 right he's a big dude this isn't like running Ethan Rogge out there at six foot seven in on a good day you know like he's six foot seven the way I'm five foot eleven all right let's just put it that way um you know you running him out there at a five against the biggies like the trout's every bit of 6'10 like he's a big dude and can stretch the floor if he can get comfortable defending Bigs, as opposed to trying to defend on the perimeter, I think that's the best path forward for him to earn significant playing time for Creighton. And with Kalkbrenner leaving next year, it could actually be a really interesting opportunity to play him and Mason Miller at the same time where you would have a still pretty lengthy team but a lot of floor-spreading ability in your front court. So I think that could be really interesting. But to me, it's, it's all about kind of recomposing his body a little bit, getting himself into a place where either – he can be a little bit quicker and feel more comfortable guarding on the perimeter at the major conference level or kind of shifting his focus to maybe being more of a five as opposed to a four. Because long term, his future is probably at a, as a stretch five if he's able to play at the next level. Because if he's already struggling to guard on the perimeter in college, that's going to be even a bigger issue in the pros, right? So if he wants to have a future in basketball, the five spot's probably where it's at he should probably start learning that now because you can do a lot with the four spot in college. You can go small like Creighton has a lot and basically put a guard there. You can go all the way big and, and put a guy like Mason Miller there who's kind of a tweener 3-4. There's a lot you can do there. In the pros, like there's not you don't have as much leeway. You're not putting like a 6-4 guy very often at that four spot, and you're not putting a guy that can't defend on the perimeter at that four spot either. So that's what I, I think Trout... A little bit needs a position change, but he also needs to fix up his body a little bit.
1: And I hope it's as simple as that. Um, I hope it's as simple as, as, as just a body change and, and catching uh, him up to speed because um, he's got all the talent in the world. He just needs to be able to, to showcase that a little bit more. Now, as for uh, Nebraska, mm, yeah. speaking of talent, they have a lot of talent at home and not a whole lot of talent on the road. And if we can call them road woes. We can call it whatever you want. But, you know, if this team can't find a way to win on the road ever, mm-hmm. they, they won't go dancing.
0: They, yeah, if they ha- I think they have to get a road win to, to make the NCAA tournament. I think that's fair.
1: They, they just won't. Because no committee is going to look at this team and say, gosh, what we see at home, it's enough to mask what, what they – what we uh, don't see out of them on the road. like Nobody's going to say that unless they go deep in the Big Ten tournament. But, again, if you go deep in the Big Ten tournament, what are you technically winning? uh, I
0: mean, they're neutral, but, yeah, they're away from home. Yeah, they're away from home games,
1: right? And And, and that's kind of what I was getting at.
0: No, and that's a good point because I, I, I genuinely do think even if Nebraska's got the resume for it, which winning out at home, they'd be right on the bubble, I think. They'd need a little help. But I think they would need—they would be right on the bubble, and depending on what some of the other conferences did and some of the other bubble teams, they'd have a real shot to get in. The problem is, you're right, it's become a narrative about them not being able to win on the road. You can't go 0 for conference on the road and expect to make the NCAA tournament. That's not a real thing because it's become a talking point for this team, and the committee, I'm sure, is aware of it, that they're going, okay, this is, a, this is an issue with this team. Let's see if they can answer that question. Because when you're on the bubble, that's all it is, is you've got a bunch of teams with a bunch of questions, and who has the best answers to those questions usually ends up on the right side of the bubble. If you don't have answers to the questions, and right now the question is, can Nebraska win on the road? And the answer is, well, they got that one against K-State and NONCON in November or December, whenever it was, right? That's a long time ago. That's not a good enough answer to that question. They've got to do some work on the road before the season is over. Otherwise, they are going to have to maybe make the Big Ten Championship game to give anybody some sort of uh, comfortability putting them in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Coming up next, we will set up the show. We'll let you know what we've got coming on here. We've got some Super Bowl prop bets we're going to get to with our guy B. Edwards, and we've got a little list of our own that might be a little more untraditional. We've got more for Dad Sports Radio coming up next.